We're on Yivamos Lamedalid, Omer Aleph 34A1 in the Art Scroll Gemara. The Gemara is now continuing with the discussion of the case of our Mishnah. So again, just to review our Mishnah's case, interesting case in our Mishnah where uh, two people, uh, two men are halachically engaged to two women. And then at the time of the chuppah, of the, of the halachic marriage, it gets mixed up. And as we saw in last week's recording, it was unintentional, uh, this mix-up. And uh, the one husband married the wife of the other, and the other husband marries uh, the wife of the other. It's not a real marriage because they're, they are already halachically engaged to other people. Uh, but they have relations. They have sexual relations, which is a prohibition because... Uh, they are both married to other people. So that's the case of the Mishnah. The Mishnah then adds and says, and if it was two brothers who married uh, two women, and they mix it up, so not only are they in violation of adultery, but they're also in violation of marrying, or sorry, of having marital relations with uh, their brother's wife. And if it was two brothers who married two sisters and that got mixed up, the Mishnah says that it's also a violation of having relations with your wife's sister. And then finally, the Mishnah concludes, and if both women were in a state of nida, meaning they were halachically impure uh, because they had their period and they did not yet go to the mikvah, that is another violation. And so in that case as well, uh, there would be an additional uh, uh, sin uh, from, from, uh, from having relations with somebody who is in nida, who had their period and did not yet go to the mikvah. That was the, the case of the Mishnah. The Gemara now is going to bring up two different discussions. Two different discussions uh, to try to figure out, is there actually a prohibition here? Are there actually these four different prohibitions? Again, it's adultery. It's uh, having relations with your brother's wife, with your wife's sister, and with someone who is in Nida, who uh, had their period and did not go to the mikvah. Um, and is there, are there actually four different prohibitions here? And is there actually a, a violation? Uh, so the Gemara will first start off with the discussion that we have been discussing uh, for a bit now, which is the fact that if there's already one prohibition in existence, so then we can't have a second prohibition which is in existence. So the Gemara essentially asks, in the opening line of the Gemara, on Lamadal Raman Aleph, Man haitana de isle isr kolol visr mosa visr basachas. Who is the author of the Mishnah? In order to be the author of the Mishnah, you have to hold, even if you hold Ein Isr that a second prohibition cannot exist once there's already uh, the first prohibition. But in these cases, there is Bas Achas, meaning there is a case where the two prohibitions happen at the exact same time. What would that case be? Uh, when they first marry, let's say the case is where two brothers marry uh, two women. Um, so when the first uh, when the first brother marries and there's a prohibition of adultery, so there's also there's at the same time there's adultery because they're married, but it's also uh, the brother's wife, and so there are two prohibitions which exist at the same time. They start at the same time, and so that would be one exception to the rule. There's another exception to the rule, which would exist by achosisha, because let's say now. It's two brothers who married two sisters. So now when the second brother marries the second sister, it's the marriage which takes place second. 
it's really the halachic engagement. The prohibition begins by the engagement. Uh, so there's the halachic engagement between the second brother and the second sister. So in that case, that is what, what we call in Isser Kola, because that is a prohibition created by being prohibited to his wife's sister. His wife's sister happens to be married already to his brother. So let's give names here. Reuven and Shimon are now married to Rachel and Leah. Shimon and Leah got married after Reuven and Rachel uh, were married. And so Shimon is now married to Leah. So Shimon, at that very point in time, he becomes prohibited to all of Leah's sisters. So he, she could have many sisters. One of the sisters happens to be Rachel, who is also his brother's wife. So that's what we call Isser Kolel, uh, because once he becomes prohibited to some of the other sisters, he also becomes prohibited uh, to his brother's sister, even though he was already, there was already a prohibition of adultery, of the fact that it was his brother's wife, but because there's a new prohibition which includes other sisters, it will also include uh, this sister of Rachel, and that's what we call Isser Kolel, that's the second exception to the rule. And then in the mission also we have a third exception to the rule, uh, which is Isser Mosef, because the last case is where she's also in Nida. She's also in Nida, so there's already a prohibition of the fact that it's adultery, that it's his brother's wife, that it's his wife's sister, and on top of that, she is in Nida. When she is in Nida, when a woman is in Nida, she had her period and did not go to the mikvah. So that's it's remosif because she becomes Asr, she there's a prohibition for her to have relations with her own husband. She's not allowed to have relations with her own husband. Once there's a prohibition to have relations with your own husband, uh, so then that will also then apply to everybody else. Meaning everybody else, even though there's already a prohibition because it would be adultery, but in addition to that, there will also be a prohibition of Nida because that's what Isser Mosef is. That, that would be the third exception to this principle because she's already prohibited because she's prohibited to her own husband. Once she's prohibited to her own husband, we say that she's also prohibited to everybody else because she is in Nida. So essentially, our Mishnah, in order for our Mishnah uh, to have four different prohibitions, in order for our mission to have these four different prohibitions, one would have to hold of all three exceptions. The exception of Isser Kolo, the exception of Isser Mosef, and the exception of Isser Bas Achas. All three exceptions have to exist. And so the Gemara is essentially asking, who is the opinion? Is there, opinion, is there an opinion out there who actually holds of all three exceptions? That all three are exceptions to say that all the different cases are prohibitions. That all prohibitions do exist. So the Gemara says, yes, there is an opinion like that. Amr of Yehuda, Amr Rav. Rav says there is an opinion like that. It is Rav Meir. Rav Meir, he did not. We have in the following Mishnah. The following Mishnah says, a different Mishnah, uh, says as follows, or Titania, it says in a Brisa, from the time period of the Mishnah, Yesh Ocha Achilachas, that there's a person who could eat one act, in one act of eating, they could violate the Chayva Leha Arba Chatos V'Ashem Echad. They are liable to bring four sin offerings and one, an additional uh, type of a sin offering called an asham. So essentially they are in violation of five different prohibitions by just one act of eating. What are those five different prohibitions? So the Bryce explains. Tamei she'achal The case is where a Tamei person, somebody is Tamei, they're impure, and they eat chilev. Chilev are forbidden fats that have nothing to do with purity and impurity, even if you are pure, there are certain forbidden fats which are always prohibited to eat. You're never allowed to eat them. Certain uh, forbidden fats. And so not only is it a prohibition because they're forbidden fat, fats, 
but also because the person is impure and they were designated for the base of Mikdash. And so a person who is impure is not allowed to eat it. Vuhu nosar min In addition to that, it is also nosar. Nosar means that if there's food left over from an offering, after the amount of time that's, uh, that you're allowed to bring this offering and eat this offering, anything which passes the time, there's a certain amount of time that you're allowed to uh, bring an offering and eat from the offering. Once it passes that time, so then you have to burn the rest of it. You're not allowed to eat it. So this is a case where uh, one designated for the base of Mikdash, and it's already past the time, so now, now there's an additional prohibition to eat it because it is no, sir. And it's Yom Kippur. On top of that, you're doing this all on Yom Kippur. Yom Kippurim. This is taking place on Yom Kippur. Uh, so we have, so far we have four violations. One is the fact that it's chelev, these forbidden fats. Number two is that the person is impure, and they're designated for the base of Mikdash. Number three is that is what we call nosar. It's eating from the offering after the the, the time that's given the to eat from it. Uh, number four is that you're eating on Yom Kippur. And number five, Rameir Omer Imhaisa Shabbos is of the opinion that if while you are eating it, it's in your mouth and you walk outside and it's also Shabbos uh, and you walk outside, so that's also a violation because if there's no Erev, there's a prohibition to walk outside. So even though it's it's not really because you're eating it, but because it's in your mouth uh, and you you have not yet swallowed it, so it's like you're carrying. It's a form of carrying the food, uh, and you're walking outside. In, you're walking outside in the public domain, and so that would be an additional uh, violation. Amrulo, the, the sages said back the the chachamim. They said back to Rav Meir on this last case and said, "Ena menashem." The last case you cannot count because that's not because you're eating it. It's because you're carrying it. You just happen to be carrying it in your mouth, but it's not really. You can't include that in the list of uh, of the different cases. Uh, in which uh, one does different prohibitions within the act of eating because it's not really about the act of eating. It just happens to be that you're carrying it in your mouth. So the Chachamim, the sages, uh, they argue on Rav Meir in that last case that it really can't be part of the list, meaning even though it's true that it's a violation of Shabbos because you're carrying without an Erev on Shabbos, uh, but, uh, but it can't be included in the list because it's not really about eating per se. It's just because you are carrying. But Rav Meir, he does explicitly say this. He says that it would be a violation of Shabbos as well. Now, in order to have all five prohibitions, again, of chelev, the forbidden fats, which nobody's allowed to eat, and then kudshim, uh, which is eating food which is designated for the base of Migdash in a state of impurity, and then nosar, the food is left over past the, the time which is slotted to where you could eat it. Um, so... And then it's Yom Kippur, and the fact that it's then then the fact that it's it's Yom Kippur, and all of that together, and it's Shabbos, all of that is a violation, uh, and that these are all prohibitions. Even though uh, there's already one prohibition, and we'll say the other prohibitions could exist on top of it. How could the other prohibitions exist on top of it? So let's go through the case. Chelev. Chelev is a prohibition right when the animal is born. That that's the first prohibition. So everyone would agree that Chelev should be a prohibition because that's the very first prohibition which, which exists because uh, when, the, when the animal is born, so the forbidden fats are already a prohibition for everybody. Okay. There is an additional prohibition. Uh, I forgot to mention this. There's an additional prohibition that the person that's eating this is not a Kohen, so he's not even allowed to eat this. So once the food becomes designated for Kachim, for the base of Mikdash, he's not allowed to eat it. When he eats it, once it's designated for the base of Mikdash, this is now called an Isr Mosif. This is an Isr Mosif because the food now, 
not only is there a prohibition to eat it, but there's also a prohibition to get any benefit, not just to eat it, but any benefit whatsoever. Once it's designated for the base of Middash, you cannot get any benefit. Once that prohibition exists with regards to any benefit, so then it will also exist with regards to the fact that you're not allowed to eat it. So a non-Kohen who's eating from this uh, sacrifice, which they're not allowed to eat from, that's an additional prohibition, and that could exist because of Isser uh, Mosif. Now, Nosar. Now, let's say, going to the next, uh, to another prohibition, which is Nosar, which is the fact that once the time passed, and uh, you're not allowed to eat from this animal, from the korban, uh, because it, the time has passed, and now you have to burn it, and if you eat it, it's a separate violation of Nosar. So, not only is it a violation of Nosar to eat it, but there's also a violation to bring it onto the Mizbech, onto the altar, because it was supposed to be been brought onto the altar, onto the Mizbeach. The time passed, and now you're not allowed to. So that's also Isser Mosef. That's another form of Isser Mosef, because what's something which is Nosar cannot be brought onto the Mizbeach, onto the altar. And so once that prohibition exists, it'll also exist with regards to the fact that you're not allowed to eat it either. There's a prohibition to eat it as well. Now you're also impure. If you are impure... A person who is impure, not only are they not allowed to eat this piece of kachim, of this piece which is designated for the base of Mendosh, they are not allowed to go into the base of Mendosh, they're not allowed to eat from anything that is connected to kachim and to the base of Mendosh. And so that's what we call Isser Kola, because once the person who is impure uh, is not allowed to do a whole bunch of things, they're not allowed to uh, eat from other kachim, from other things that are designated for the base of Mendosh, and now they're also not allowed to eat from this particular animal as well. And now, in addition to that, we have Yom Kippur. Now that it's Yom Kippur, that's also an Isra Kola, because on Yom Kippur, a person is not allowed to eat anything. Forget about something which is Kachim, about something which is designated for the base of Mikdash, so they're not allowed to eat anything. Uh, so if they're not allowed to eat anything, so that's an Isra Kola. Once, once that prohibition exists with regards to Yom Kippur, it will also exist with, uh, with regards to Yom Kippur, with regards to this particular piece of, of meat. Uh, even though it has all the other prohibitions, but this is what we refer to as Isser Kola. And finally, there's also a prohibition to carry on Shabbos, according to Rav Meir. Where does that come from? So Rashi explains uh, that since it's Shabbos, and you're not allowed to carry outside on Shabbos, that prohibition of Shabbos starts at the very same time that Yom Kippur starts. They start at the very exact same time. And Rashi explains that is a prohibition of Bibas Achas. The reason why the prohibition of Shabbos uh, could be included, even though there are other prohibitions which already exist, is because this happens at the exact same time that Yom Kippur starts. And so since Shabbos starts at the exact same time that Yom Kippur starts, we will say that both prohibitions will exist. And Rameir says that. Rameir says all these different prohibitions, they exist. And so Rameir is the opinion who holds uh, that Enes Rechalas, that really in general a second prohibition cannot exist once there's already a first prohibition, but if it's any of these exceptions, if it's Isr Kolal, Isr Mosef, Isr Basachas, any of these exceptions that we've mentioned, so then the prohibition uh, will exist. Those other prohibitions will exist, which is how we could have these five different uh, prohibitions exist in this case. And this is also, the, according to the Gemara, what the Gemara is saying right now is that Rameir would then be the author of our Mishnah, because our Mishnah is also discussing a case where there are additional prohibitions, uh, even though there's already a prohibition in existence, because... She's married, so it's, it's, it's adultery. Uh, but these other prohibitions will also exist because either it's taking place at the same time or it's these other exceptions of Isser Mosif and Isser Kola. That is what the Gemara says. And that is also the end of that particular discussion. 
the Gemara now says, well, there's a separate issue to deal with in our Mishnah. And the, and the Gemara says, Remer Ali Bidiman. Who could Remer follow? There's a separate issue here, which is that there's a dispute elsewhere about the following case. What happens in the following case? What happens uh, when a person thinks that they're doing a mitzvah, but they're really doing an avera, they're really doing a sin? They think they're doing the right thing, but they're really doing a sin. So is one in violation of the sin when their intention is to do a mitzvah? Very interesting um, a very interesting uh, question. So let's give an example. One example that's brought down in the Gemara elsewhere is there are two babies who were born. And one is supposed to have their bris milah on Shabbos and one is supposed to have their bris milah on Sunday. Now to do a bris milah not on the eighth day on Shabbos is a violation of Shabbos. It's a violation of Shabbos, but if it's the eighth day, so then that's an exception to the rules of Shabbos and you're allowed to do a bris milah for somebody who for a baby where the eighth day falls out on Shabbos. So let's say a person, the Mohel, the person who's doing the bris milah, uh, they mix the two babies up and he does a bris for the one whose eighth day is really on Sunday, he does it on Shabbos itself. So that's a violation of Shabbos. But his intention was for the right thing. Isn't it? He, he, free, he, he mixed up, he mixed the two babies up, but he really wanted to do the right thing. And in his mind, he was doing a mitzvah. He was doing the right thing. Uh, but he made a mistake. So in general, we say if a person makes a mistake, they have to bring a sin offering. A sin offering is specifically bought, brought when it's unintentional, not when it's intentional. But maybe this person should not even bring a sin offering because his intention was even not just, was it by accident, but his whole intention was to do a mitzvah. The exact opposite of what he accomplished. He, he, in the end of the day, he did an avera, he did a sin, but his intention was to do a mitzvah. So if his intention was to do a mitzvah, uh, so then... Uh, so then that would, uh, maybe we would just say that he's not even uh, required to bring a sin offering. So that is a dispute between Rabbi Yeshua and Rabbi Eliezer. They have a dispute as to whether or not if a person doesn't have error in the end of the day, but their intention was to do a mitzvah, was to do, to do the right thing, are they obligated to bring a korban chatos, a sin offering or not? Rabbi Yeshua says that they are exempt, and Rabbi Eliezer is of the opinion that they do bring a sin offering. Okay, so... What does this have to do with our Mishnah? Because our Mishnah is where these two couples, they mix up, mix each other up, that uh, one marries the other person's wife and the other person marries the other person's wife. Uh, but their intention is to do a mitzvah. Their intention is to do a mitzvah. They want to do a mitzvah, but they're doing an avera. They're doing a sin. But their intention is to do a mitzvah. So this is exactly the same situation as the Brismila case. So the Gemara says that in order for Mayor to be the author of our Mishnah, he must also hold like Rabbi Eliezer. He must also hold that if your intention is to do a mitzvah, but in the end of the day a person does a nevera, that they're still required to bring a sin offering. It was unintentional. Every sin offering, every kormachatis that is brought is when it's in a case of unintentional. Uh, but, not, but in this case also, even though one's intention is to do a mitzvah, we, we would have to follow the opinion of Rabbi Eliezer who says that, uh, that they still bring a korban chatas. So the Gemara will continue with this discussion in the next recording, uh, and they'll try to give a different perspective as well. Uh, but it's just interesting to note that there's a mitzvah to get married, which is just an, it's a, Rashi says that there's, an, there's a mitzvah to get married. This is not so simple. Uh, there, according to some opinions, there's a mitzvah to become halachically engaged. There's a mitzvah to become halachically engaged. Um, and there's also opinions who say that even that's not a mitzvah. The mitzvah is really just to have children. 
Uh, but we see from this Gemara that there seems to be, at least according to some of uh, some of the opinions, that there's a mitzvah also uh, to get married. Just to get married alone would be viewed as a mitzvah.